Hey there, I'm Becca Campbell, your pediatric sleep consultant. Welcome to the Little Z's Sleep Podcast, where we make getting sleep help easy. And today I'm bringing on a guest who also makes getting help really easy, Holly Choi of Safe Beginnings. Holly is a nationally certified first aid instructor who's focused on infant and toddler years and is an active child injury prevention advocate. She's also the mom of two young children, and she lives with the same challenges that you and I face every day, keeping our kids safe on a daily basis. Holly is super active on Instagram, and I saw a post that she did last week over on her account at Safe Beginnings, where she talked about swimwear safety. And it prompted me to reach out to her and say, hey, we've got to talk about safe swim practice before we actually get into the summer. So Holly jumped on just a few days later. We recorded this episode to talk about what type of swim gear, like puddle jumpers and life jackets and pool toys. We talk about swim lessons for kids and pool fence safety. So this is one that you do not want to miss. Soak it in, send it to your friends and family who you know have pools nearby, or even if they will be accompanying you to the pool or the beach or the lake or any body of water this summer. This is one that I think we all need to be super well aware of. And uh, we talk about in this episode to not have that fear, but to have that confidence that we know how to handle any situation. I hope you guys enjoy my episode with Holly. Take a listen and I'll see you at the end of the episode. Y'all, welcome back to the podcast with Holly of Safe Beginnings. She is my go-to for all questions about safety. And today we're talking about swim safety, which is so important as we are stepping into summer. We obviously, everyone has heard and unfortunately has the when things go wrong stories that they know of. And so it's so important that before we begin um, this summer, we just want to come and really understand what we need to prepare ourselves for. So Holly's going to walk us through gear, pool fences, swim lessons, all the things that you need to know. So the first thing I want to get into with you is gear. Can we talk a little bit about pool safety gear? Hello, welcome. By the way, I just slammed all that together. Thanks for coming. Let's talk about pool gear. (laughs) Thank you for having me. No, totally. And you know, yeah, like the shelves at the stores are just filled with stuff. They're just filled with stuff right now. And it's, it's hard for parents to navigate this because you see all this stuff. It looks super fun for kids. What is safe? What's not? Um, But the way that we look at it as injury prevention professionals is anything that is not an actual personal flotation device. So a life jacket, anything that's not a life jacket is a pool toy. (laughs) That's the easiest and simplest way to think about it. Does it mean it's unsafe per se? No. Does it mean that it can't replace supervision? Yes. We have to make sure we're always supervising children and we're within arm's reach. So where this gets kind of confusing, I think, for a lot of parents is when we see stuff like floaties, water wings, pool noodles, those little donuts, inflatable flamingos, all the fun stuff that we see out there. There's a lot that's marketed to babies and toddlers. And the issue with floaties and why as injury prevention professionals, we don't recommend using floaties as your sort of saving thing, your first line of defense is because they can easily slip off a child's arms, um, especially if they don't have an attached chest piece. Now there's lots that have, you've probably, I'm sure you've seen these where it's, it's almost like a whole chest piece with, it looks like the top of princess Jasmine's, 
outfit is the way I like to describe it. And these nice little water wing sleeves. Those, while they will stay on a little bit better, sometimes the inflatable material can puncture or deflate or loosen over time. And in a lot of cases, we see children that are rolling onto their stomach. And then because they're so buoyant, they're having a hard time turning back over. So this is why supervision is so critical. Can you use them? Yes. Would I use them on open water, like a lake or the ocean? No, I wouldn't. They're great for a swimming pool. But we really, the main thing that we're looking for is, am I within arm's reach of my child? That is the one thing that will truly prevent a drowning incident. I recently did a post over on my account at Safe Beginnings about Um, colors children are wearing in the water. I got a little bit of flack for it, um, as you do when you're on the internet. As you do, I know. Especially when you're like, no, I'm telling the truth, guys. Yeah, (laughs) but we always suggest trying to just get brighter colored bathing suits. The flack I got was, I heard sharks like to eat people who wear bright colored bathing suits. Oh my gosh, people said that? Yeah, why are we we swimming with sharks? I don't know. (laughs) But... um, But in reality, no, if you think about it, let's say you have um, a pool in your backyard or you live next to a lake. If a child blends in with the water in a split second, it's really easy to lose them and not spot them. My daughters both wear hot pink (laughs) swimsuits for that reason, because you know where they are. And, um, you know, if you, if you do find that you're in a situation where you're worried about sharks, okay, well, we have other things to do with that. You know, you could wear something that blends in better and wear a life jacket. Um, But I think there's bigger problems there. What I'm concerned about is if we're in a pool, we're next to a pool, we're next to a lake, a body of water, can I spot my child quickly? And are they protected if something happens? So I guess this will bleed into our chat about life jackets. Let's chat. So in a little recap, puddle jumpers are not like of the devil. Like puddle jumpers aren't the worst thing in the whole world. Because you will hear, you will see those things, right? Like you'll see the post about like puddle jumpers, they're dangerous. And then puddle jumpers are wonderful and I love them. And we did use the chest piece arm, like, like you said, the Princess Jasmine type ones with the girls when we were at the pool. And those automatically come in bright, obnoxious colors. So, you know, you've got that going for them, but never, never was it especially, I mean, obviously in a situation like that, never was it that they were in the water without me. And I was sitting in a chair on the side, right? It was like, I was always next to them with them. So that's good to know. I'm glad you kind of share that, but if, is that our best option? Are puddle jumpers like the best option we should go to, or is there another option like a life jacket? Yeah. So the thing with, with the puddle jumpers really is that because it provides a bit of buoyancy to kids, it's really easy to let your guard down. And I think a lot of people will quickly jump to, especially when I'm talking about injury prevention, can't all this just be solved by supervision? Sure it can, but knowing human behavior, we aren't capable of fully 100% supervising children all the time. And when you're down by the water and you've got another adult next to you, whether you know it or not, subconsciously, you will think inside your, your brain, there's another responsible person here. So maybe it's okay if I take my eyes off for a second. That is when these things happen. So being within arm's reach is, is really, really the best thing in those regards. So, um, you know, the thing is that, yes, we could have them floating face down with a puddle jumper on. So if you're there within arm's reach, that's not going to happen. 
And that's really what I want people to take away from that. So when we think to life jackets, life jackets are excellent if you find yourself on open water and you know that you can't be within arm's reach or that it's possible that they could fall off a boat or you know uh, any other kind of, let's say they're floating on a little inflatable raft and they fall off. We want to make sure that we have something as sort of a second line of defense and life jackets we know are the best thing. They make absurdly small life jackets. You can get a life jacket that will fit a nine pound baby absolutely properly. What I want parents to know about buying a life jacket is that you do need to be careful and particular about what you're buying. There's so much stuff on Amazon. And I'm sure you know this in the sleep world in terms of like all the stuff that's on Amazon gear wise. Some of it's shady. It's really shady. And we got to be careful when we're buying stuff off Amazon. What I recommend doing is whether you buy it there or not, it's fine. But make sure you can also buy it at a normal store (laughs) because that's a good indication that it's a reputable brand. What you're looking for in life jackets in particular is, is it U.S. Coast Guard approved? And is it tested by the underwriter's laboratory? Those are the two big things to know that you are using a quality life jacket. Then when it comes down to babies and toddlers, they make different sizes of life jackets, ones that are infant, which will typically go up to about 30 pounds, and then ones that are about 30 to 50 pounds for toddlers. Make sure you're getting the right one that fits your child properly. And an easy test that parents can do to make sure that the life jacket's fitting properly is get it on there, follow the instructions, make sure it's all buckled up correctly, use that little strap that goes underneath. Get them to hold their arms straight up in the air and gently tug on the life jacket. And if it starts to right up over their chin or face, then it's too loose and it's not fitting them properly. We wanna make sure it stays nice and tight to their body and that their head is above water and not in the water with the life jacket. So that's really what you're looking for. Is it approved and does it fit them properly? You know, sometimes it can be really hard to actually have the energy to go to the pool and enjoy the summer days with your kid. And I am here to tell you about some free resources that we have for you to get sleep help. I want you to scroll down in the show notes or head to littlezsleep.com slash the number four steps. That's littlezsleep.com slash four steps. Now here's the thing. This is a thorough guide that I'm giving you to help you solve your baby's night wakings. We want to make memories. We want to enjoy our kid this summer. But how are we supposed to do that if we're waking up all night long? In this free four steps to solve your baby's night wakings, I am going to share with you, and not just like in text, but I'm going to meet you in your inbox every day with a pre-recorded voice memo to help you work through night wakings, how to get on a better bedtime routine, and actually have energy so we can enjoy these summer moments with our baby. So check out this free guide below, littlezsleep.com slash four steps. That's the number four, and I'll see you in your inbox. Oh, I've been in those situations where pull up the life jacket and it's like, why is this covering your nose? This is, this does not fit. So that's a really good, I can visualize that like right now in my head, thinking about life jackets that are too big. Um, really, really good point And some really good visuals to consider that. That's so helpful. So would you say, okay, let's say, you know, someone's on a budget. They're like, okay, I can't buy all these things. Like I can't get like a puddle jumper and a life jacket. Would you just say, go straight to a life jacket for all swimming situations? 
Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and you know, you don't, you don't necessarily need floaties or, or life jackets when you're in a swimming pool and you're within arm's reach of them. Cause if you are genuinely just holding them with your two hands, which is really the safest thing to do, um, then you're, you're not going to need those. And, uh, if you do just buy one thing, it should be a good quality approved life jacket. And, uh, a, a tip I always like to put out there is just If you know that you have a baby this year and you're maybe not going to be out on the water, get one for next year. Go get one at the end of the season, get it on sale, have it for next year. That's what I do with all my winter coats and all that kind of stuff. Just go get it on sale at the end of the season and put it away for next year. That's a really easy way to just get things seasonal like this that are just a little bit more affordable. Yeah, for sure. So while we're on the topic of the kid being in the water, let's talk about swim lessons real quick. When would you advise is the best time to start swim lessons? Okay. So most places in North America will start swim lessons as early as four months old. And I always say, I know that's not a swim lesson. It's fun in the water with a baby, but you're in a safe and supervised environment when you're doing this at a public pool in an actual lesson format. There's so much value to doing it. I did it with both my kids. We had a blast. Um, it was a great social activity, which, you know, depending on when you're listening to this, if we're still in a pandemic, okay, you know, maybe, maybe not. But it teaches you how to properly manage a child in the water. So if you do find yourself out on a lake or the ocean, that you know how to handle them properly. And they have found that when children are about three years old, and that's when you can sign them up for like real swimming lessons where they go off with the instructor without you. If they have been in the environment before, they're having better outcomes because they're comfortable. And so there's really no harm to starting as soon as you can. Most of the ones before age three do require parent participation, but that's not a bad thing. It teaches you how to manage the kid. And you know, if you're a family that does a lot of vacations near the water, it's a great skill to have. I always say, you know, we shouldn't just rely on swim lessons as the main form of prevention because even professional swimmers, things can happen. We've got currents, we've got cold temperatures, you can get swarmed by jellyfish like my sister did. Um, My sister's fine. Um, But there's a lot of things that can go sideways. So swim lessons are important, but they also should be used in conjunction with supplemental things like life jackets. Right. And you know, I think one of the biggest things for me personally is getting wrapped up in fear this time of year. Like I know pools are great and the my girls like love to swim, but I can hear stories of kids who are drowning and awful horrendous situations and it's so easy to be like, "Ah, never mind, I'm just not going to take my kids to the pool." And that's obviously not the answer here. But swim lessons as a way to build their confidence with that. I've seen that with both of our girls that when they are, especially when it's an instructor and not me, their confidence is just so much higher. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, the best thing you can do if you're going out on a vacation near the water, slap a life jacket on them. And you know that if something goes sideways, that they've got that safety net. Absolutely. Okay. Last safety net we're going to talk about, almost literally, would be a pool fence. So, Walk us through how we know we're going to make the best selection when we're looking at getting a fence. Do I need to have a fence if I have a pool? What what should I do? 
Yeah. Best practice is if you have a pool, fence it off. And that's whether you've got kids or not, because we know that there also have been cases where kids wander into their neighbor's pool. So um, in some places in North America, depending on where you live, you might actually have bylaws in your area that say you have to do this. And Quite frankly, that's an awesome thing. Um, What we're looking for for pool fences is they have to be at least four feet tall so that children have a hard time scaling them to get inside them. The spaces in between the slats and underneath the fence should always be less than four inches. And if you've ever heard me talk about things like window safety, four inches is always the magic number. And it's because it's really difficult for a child to get through four inches, five inches possible, depending on how big their head is, four inches, no. So that's kind of the magic number is can we can we make these spaces less than four inches and it'll prevent a child from being able to slip through. The other is getting something that has a self-closing gate is super helpful. So if someone does go in the pool that we know the gate closed behind them and the gate should always swing away from the pool and not in towards the pool so that someone doesn't accidentally you know, trip and then fall into the pool, which could happen if you have it the other way. The biggest one for me is your house or your home should never be considered a side of the fence. I see a lot of cases where um, they will just have their backyard is fenced and there's gates on either side of the home to prevent people from accessing the backyard where the fe- where the pool is. However, if a child can get out a sliding door or you've got the door open for airflow in the summer, that is immediate access to the pool. So we should always have all four sides of the pool fenced off is the best thing to do. I often get asked, Holly, (laughs) okay, I hear you, but I don't even know where to begin with getting a pool fence. Like, where do I go to get this? There are so many professionals across North America who do that exact thing as a service. And a great resource, um, one of the organizations I'm a member of is the International Association for Child Safety. Their website, which is iafcs.org, International Association for Child Safety.org. They will give you, uh, there's a map that you can go in, you can put in your postal code or click on your state, and it will show you who is available to help you with pool fencing. Such a good resource. Okay, that is super helpful to know because I would have just thought like, oh, I'm going to call the people who did my wooden fence out back now to do my pool fence or my neighbor's fence, right? Um, Didn't even consider the fact that there would be different regulations, different qualities and qualifications for that. So that's really good to know. We'll link all, we will link the sites that you've mentioned below. So that'll all be there. Wow. Okay. So there's kind of a recap here. Life jackets over puddle jumpers, but you know, always having supervision. There's never a substitute for supervision. Swim lessons, vital, really important, building that confidence, building that child's um, outlook on swim, and then always ensuring you have a proper pool fence around your pool. Um, I'm assuming that also goes for lakes too, any body of water if you're living near a body of water. Yeah, it's good to just try to limit access. It could be hard depending on what that property is like, but Something that I would give as a takeaway is if you can designate someone as a supervisor, and I mean verbally designate them. So example, saying to my husband, Chris, you are the person with eyes on right now. You are the one that's responsible for watching them. It can help limit that 
loosening of our guard, letting our guard down and subconsciously assuming someone else is watching. If you can verbally call someone out as the supervisor, that is a great way to prevent these things from happening. And all these other safeguards we've talked about are just things that are supplemental to that supervision. Fun fact, did you know that I was a lifeguard one summer? One summer, I was a lifeguard and one redhead to another. It was a really bad decision. (laughs) (laughs) You know, my sister, also a redhead, was a lifeguard for a number of years and rash guards and hats. That's mm-hmm. what you got to do. Oh, yes. People did not know my name. They, they, they knew me as the girl who put sunscreen on all the time <laughs> because that's all I did. And I was, I had just graduated from high school and it was at a summer camp in Texas. And I just like, I mean, I don't even think at this point, because how old would I have been? I would have been like just turned 18. I don't think I was even in the rash guard phase yet, which I should have been. Um, but I wore hats and I just like sunscreened up like every 15 minutes. <laughs> but I um, actually vividly remember my like lifeguard training for that. Um, so brings me back when you're talking about all the uh, the supervision is so important. But anyways, random fun fact. Um, and that's a whole other thing that I'd love to get into one day is obviously like skin safety in the sun. And that's another thing, another day. But this was so good to talk about. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Holly. Let us know, okay, where can we find you and all of your helpful resources? Yes, best place to find me is my Instagram account, which is just at Safe Beginnings. Um, and we also, our main service is uh, infant child CPR, choking and injury prevention workshops. But I talk all things child safety, childproofing, injury prevention, car seat safety, um, and of course, first aid stuff over on my account. And that is the best place to follow along. Yes, and super helpful and informative and hilarious reels. So I really appreciate everything you're doing. Thank you, Holly, for joining us. This was great. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for being here today, guys. I hope you head on over to Instagram and follow Holly at Safe Beginnings. Also check out her online courses, her choking and CPR courses, so many different offerings that she has for parents wherever you are in your stage of parenting. Sweet dreams. See you next time.